What's up, everyone? And welcome to another episode of your favorite podcast. Shut up. Keep going. That was presumptuous of me, but... If it's not your favorite podcast, you need to turn it off now. Get out of here. We don't want you here. Just... No, actually... Please You know what? I think we should prove it to them. Let's prove it to Why this should be their favorite podcast. This is the podcast where we explore our and your internet curiosities. I'm Sydney Goodman. I'm Kate Franklin. And today we're we're proving something. I don't know that this is the episode for us to prove something. I know. But I'm like, I only say it because Kate and I, so it is currently we usually start recording, I don't know, seven o'clock. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. Oh my God. It's very late. Like seven o'clock. Kate usually gets here around like, usually gets here around like 6.30. We kind of gab about our week for a second. Well, we just had a deep existential talk on the couch. It's now 8.46. <laughs> so you're either going to get a really great episode or a very manic one in a negative way. But who can say? We'll go Don't on this adventure off together. Don't the, the opportunity that it could be manic in a positive way. Well, that's what I, I meant to say. It's manic. Because that's normal. It could be either. Yeah, yeah, that's the normal energy of this podcast. Um, but would you like to start, my friend? Or um, Yeah. Because on speaking of light and fun top six, I love top sticks. I love top dicks. What if we all had penises growing out of our forehead? (laughs) Do you think we'd wear pants on our head? Do you think we wear pants on our heads if we had penis foreheads? (laughs) Or do you think we'd still wear pants on the bottom part? I don't know. Would the penis still be red as like an intimate part? I, I don't know. What if like it's all like... I mean, it probably is. We probably sound so high right now. We're not we high. Not. But what if it's like your private parts are just merely a, like, what's the word? Where something is made up. Well, I mean, they construct a, constru- a, a social construction. Yeah. I mean, they kind of are like, I can't remember if I talked about it on this podcast, but I, I feel like I've definitely talked to you about this, about this idea of like women's breasts being sexualized and yeah. how that's like very culturally dependent and it's very western culture dependent yeah um but where other societies actually see it as disgusting that we think breasts are like hot and sexual scientifically you know from like a biology standpoint we all want to procreate so that we can create offspring right Mm -hmm. and that the only act that actually like will kind of turn you on to like want to procreate more is by watching others procreate that is the only thing that it's like that's just like a biological thing it was not learned however when you see or like when people who are attracted to women i guess i don't know how that works but um when you see women what works well how like why if you have to be attracted to women all the way in order to think breasts are hot like, I'm not really sure how that works. I think breasts are hot, <laughs> but I also think I'm attracted to women. So I don't know that I... Well, is it is it hot? Because it's like we are told that breasts are hot. But that's exactly... Hot. That's what I'm saying is that it's like we are socialized to see breasts as being like, ooh, yeah. But like, actually, there's no biological like trigger in our brains that like see breasts and are like, oh, procreation. Like, let's do it. It's a socialized behavior. Yeah. Okay, I get what you mean. I don't know. So it really is all learned. To me, though, like the the reason I would say to like cover up privates is just because like 
sanitary and safety. Yeah, no, I get that. I feel like we're learning a lot about me in this podcast today. I feel like I always wanted to be the type of person that would sleep naked. I don't know why. I just think it seems really freeing and nice, but I'm like Mm -hmm. too afraid that something's going to like crawl in my crevices. Oh my God. Don't say that because I literally sleep naked. Aren't you afraid? No, because I get, I I have this like weird, like, it's almost like a vagina has teeth. No, it's like a tick where like, I like, like hyper focus on the way clothes are falling on me. Oh, interesting. Do you know what I mean? I, I can see like what you're talking really about. It really bothers yeah. me. And so that's like when I sleep, I just like don't even want the distraction because I overthink it. Oh, how interesting. Oh, well, sorry I said that then. I think about it sometimes though and I'm like, nah. But that's the reason why it's like literally like a vag is like an open orifice into your being. being. Yeah. So it's like you got to cover that up unless I am asleep in my... I don't, do I, should I this? <laughs> like I said, we're learning a lot today. Okay. Do you want to start? Yes. Um, Sydney, do you know what the What's doomsday up? clock is? Like in lost? No. Oh. In general. No. In culture. I was just thinking about doomsday and possibly a topic that I may do someday mm-hmm. that I'm not going to expose. Um, and then I was like, wait, I remember the doomsday clock because sometimes when something really dramatic happens, they'll like be on the news and be like, the doomsday clock is two minutes closer to midnight. And I'm like, what? oh my God. They say that? Yeah. That feels like it would like create public disrest. Um, unrest. Disarray. Well, no, cause it's like symbolic. Let me get into it. Okay. So the doomsday clock is a symbol that represents how close we are to destroying the world with dangerous technologies of our own making. Okay. <laughs> That's what I said. I was like, this is so depressing. Um, it warns how many metaphorical, quote, minutes to midnight humanity has left. And it's set every year by the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists, and it's intended to warn the public and inspire action. Wait, can you repeat that? Which one? <laughs> All of that? Um, the, like... It, okay, it warns how many metaphorical minutes to midnight humanity has left. Set every year by the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists, which is, like, a group of atomic scientists. And um, it's basically just used as, like... It's, like, a PR thing to, like, have, like, an informed warning to the public of, like, how pressing certain things are. And it used to just be primarily about like atomic arms. Got it. Okay. So it was created, obviously, in 1947 um, after the fateful dropping of the atomic bombs. Um, And it was based on the threat posed by nuclear weapons, which this bulletin of scientists considered to be the greatest danger to humanity. I think we can all agree. Mm-hmm. there's not there's not much more there's not much is there more zombies yeah but it's like our own doing do you know what i mean it's zombies like, feel like they're our own doing how well because aren't zombies usually like because everyone was forced to get a vaccine or something and then they oh my god shut up <laughs> i'm being serious is that true isn't that like what i am legend is or something wait i swear that it's like, i was so fucked up by that movie i have to say like, I literally was like, I, it was so real to me. I, I watched it once, was like, I get it. This would, is enough. I never have oh to Oh my God, you're right. Yeah. Is that going to be COVID? No. 
Get your vaccines, everyone. No, please everyone. get vaccinated please. so I don't have to wear a mask. Please. <laughs> We're just talking about this. Oh, my this. God. Okay. You're right, though. It's a measles vaccine that was supposed to cure cancer, and it becomes lethal, infecting 90% of the world, 99% of the world's population. Wait, so the movie's actually about an anti-vaxxer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Has that been used by, like, popular culture? What? Like anti-vaxxing? I mean, I guess that's I Am Legend. The lesson here is don't get vaxxed because then you'll have to kill your dog. Spoilers. <sighs> My friend from elementary school, her uncle is a special effects artist and he made the zombies in I Am Legend. And I remember I met him one time and I was like, I am very mad at you because I was extremely traumatized after that movie. I don't like zombies, period. And he was it's- like, oh. It's a well-known fact about me. Really? You don't like zombies? I don't. I'm like so not into anything zombie related. I think it's like an overdone trope at this point, to be honest. Mm -hmm. It feels lazy to me. But also aesthetically, here's my thing with zombies. They're undead. They don't understand personal space. And so I feel like it's just like they're so persistent. And I get that that's the point. But it's like if it's a human, you can just like fucking kill them. And it's like accepted and that's done. Or if it's like... You know, but with the zombie, it's just like always all up in your face. Like it's just like mindlessly coming to you. It probably smells like shit. Like I just have nothing positive to say about zombies as like an opponent. <laughs> and it's like, I don't want to watch that. I That's actually, what, yeah, it's I not... have that in general about like, like the T-Rex in Jurassic Park, the Shiger, even though I love old country for old men, that sometimes really bothers me where I'm like, why can't you let it go? <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. Like, I get that you're an evil, like, be- like violent thing, but like, literally, give me some space. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. But then also, I feel like it's like I want an opponent who is like smart and agile, and like they are like intellectual. Like, do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, they're like whether it's because they're out to get me or they just hate me or whatever. Even if it's like a spirit or a ghost, and it's like haunting the person. It's like they have something out to get you for whatever reason. Yeah. Like there's a reason behind this madness where a zombie just feels like it's like. Yeah, no, I, I, I 100% agree. Like what's the depth it's here? just like, please stop. Yeah. Like, no, I'm so with you on that. Um, well, hopefully you don't have zombies <laughs> because of nuclear weapons. But um, they... In 2007, so 1947 was uncreated, obviously, okay. after the advent of the atomic bomb. Wait, can I ask a quick question? Yeah. I'm going to sound dumb. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If we've already established. I took history online. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys. I I put as much effort into that as you think I did. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we obviously dropped the atomic bombs, too, in Japan. And then there's Chernobyl, which, like, was by accident. Has there been any other like atomic happenings or is that like it? Um, the Fukushima after the... Oh, after the tsunami. I think that there's been a few more, but those are like the big... Have the there been hitters. any like actual like poignant bombings like ours? No. You would know. Okay. About that. Okay. So, well, the reason why I bring well, it up... Well, there's been like tests, but no one's been like atomically bombed until like... Except for when we did it. Yeah. Okay. So like... I'm not anti-America. Wait, is that true? <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm just saying, like, I'm not anti-America. I'm just going to preface that, okay? I am just pro-critical thinking. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering, because, like, 
wasn't our whole thing. I feel like a lot of times, and it might just be fear mongering. Again, I am not proud of how out of the loop I am with current events um, or at, at points. And I feel like, don't we like police the fact that like people can't have nuclear weapons? Like we're really into like so-and-so has nuclear weapons and that's an issue. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I think that it's a non-issue. I do. Th- it's like, I, that makes me uncomfortable to know that people have like atomic weapons. Right. Yeah. But like, we're the only ones that have actually used them. And so we're like, oh yeah, like we dropped those and like, we learned our lesson. So now like nobody should be able to, because like, it's really bad. Yeah, I think that's like the awkward. And like, like, I agree with it, but it's just like very ironic, I guess, for lack of better words. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I just want to make sure I was understanding correctly. No, you're understanding it. It makes no sense to me because we also like, I don't know if this is correct. So don't come for me. But I want to say that the United States has the most a- atomic weapons. But we're also like the people that are, I'm just repeating what you said, but I think we have the most to just top it do you know what i mean yeah it's just like interesting come on guys i feel like that's stuff that i regularly like could think about and i don't because it makes my brain hurt and it like makes me like confused and feel disempowered yeah (sighs) sorry it's okay i'm just keeping in line with the tone of your topic it's very (laughs) i can't tell but i'm pretty sure those are the only times those bomb like atomic bombs have gone off i feel like it'd be very easy to find if there were other times right yeah like i don't feel like that's stuff that can go unnoticed yeah okay yeah no i'm right i'm right um well anyways awful (laughs) i mean it truly is awful yeah it's like well and that's why they created this we'll get into it but it's like it's literally like holy shit we just created this thing that is literally like destroys matter but okay, what I'm confused about is, is that so th- true? I don't know. <laughs> well, it destroys things on an atomic level, isn't yeah. that like the whole issue? Yeah. Um so there's this atomic bomb, doomsday clock, and you're saying that they like talk about it on the news and stuff. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't they like talk about it with people who have like decision making powers? Like I don't think the citizens are calling for their no, governments it, to use atomic bo- weapons. No, it it's well, okay, it's used like in our country because we're a democracy so like apparently (laughs) i don't think people voted on bombing like sending those bombs off well it's it's more like a like a consciousness thing we're gonna get into it i think okay sorry i'm premature so because in 2007 the bulletin began including catastrophic disruptions from climate change Oh, okay, got it. Do you know what I mean? So it's, yes, this um, that that to me makes more sense. Although I also think that it's like, never mind, just keep going. Okay, so the furthest the clock has ever been set was 17 minutes to midnight in 1991 after the collapse of the Soviet Union and the signing of the Strategic Arms Reduction Treaty. Meaning that's the farthest away from destruction we got was in 1991 according to this doomsday clock like the closest to peace farthest yeah. from destruction yeah. got it until recently the closest it the closest it had ever been set was 2 minutes to midnight first in 1953 when the US and Soviet Union both tested thermonuclear weapons and then in 2018 citing a quote breakdown in the international order of nuclear actors as well as a continuing lack of action on climate change. 
Okay. Then in 2020. <laughs> 2020, baby. The clock was moved to the closest it had ever been, which was 100 seconds to midnight. <laughs> okay, because do you remember, like, we were already kind of fucked in 2020 because do you remember, like, in January, there was talks of, like, or Iran, like, bombing the U.S.? To be honest, I feel like I blocked out so much of 2020, I couldn't even tell you. Well, I blocked that out until kind of recently, and then I was like, holy shit, like, that was happening, and then thank kind of God. Like, I didn't actually think it was real. I don't, I'm not trying to get political. Okay. But I remember that happening, and I was like, holy shit, that's, like, very scary, and then COVID happened, and then COVID was very scary. So it's kind of thank God. Wait, so is that when... Like when that was happening, that was when they set the clock to a hundred or they set the clock to a hundred because of COVID. Oh, I mean, it was, it was in relation to COVID. Oh, because of doomsday. Okay. Got yeah. it. Got it. So what is the bulletin of atomic scientists, Sydney? You answer it. Me? Okay. I think that it's a bunch of like scientists who like don't have enough sex and they don't, they just think about death. Yeah, you're so right, because most of these people were part of the Manhattan Project, the secret government mission which created the first atomic bomb. That's ironic. It is verb. That Wait, that's like, okay. Well, wait, do you think it's because they feel bad? So this is like their, like, yeah. conscience? So, okay. I didn't do enough research into this, so that's fair. I'm not going to claim. I appreciate your uh, transparency. So I'm just like putting that out there. Wait, before but, you keep going though. Yeah. I just want to make a quick, let's just like let Kate be a great example for all of us. Like if you don't know something, just fucking say you don't know it. Like I think that we need to just like make that more normal. I know. But continue. Why is that such a thing? Yeah. Cause I think it's ridiculous that it's like, if you don't know a thing, you have to act like you know it. Just like say you don't know it. It's, it's not a big of the deal. Internet, right. Cause it's like, we have access to information. Maybe, but I don't know. That's exactly why I feel like I don't need to know everything. I can just look it up. That's why I feel like I was kind of ostracized in art school, which I don't think I was, but I felt that way because people would always be like, oh my God, have you ever seen this movie? Or like, have you heard this band? And I'd be like, I have not. And they'd be like, oh. Because everyone else would be like, yeah, I totally know what that is. No, you don't. It's like you literally do not. Yeah, no, not at all. And I, it made me really self-conscious because I realized I haven't seen like any movies. That's how I feel whenever I talk to you. But then. I've seen a lot of movies though. I have seen a lot of movies, but I also like am an obsessive watcher, which I think is a useful thing because I like know how to like how they constructed Chicago, which is an amazing movie. Do you like Chicago? I've always wanted to see it. I never saw it because when it came out, my mom said I couldn't see it. Oh my God. We should watch it on your screen. Yeah. It is so good. I'm excited. I just watched. So this is like a personal little like, yoohoo for me is that I just watched short term 12. Have you ever watched that? No, I heard it's good. Dude, it's really good. I mean, like I kind of wish that it went there a little bit more, but it's still really good. The reason why it's significant is because I had this really not fun at all traumatic incident uh, a couple years ago and I have always loved watching, I mean, I wouldn't say dark films, but it's like, I want to feel something when I'm watching something. Like I also enjoy comedies and like lighthearted stuff, but like, I really like watching film period. And like, I like it when films end in a way that makes me feel upset. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, but I do because it feels like they're, I like it when that's an option on the table because it feels like they're 
not sacrificing the audience like they're not sacrificing storytelling for the sake of like how the audience is feeling when they leave the theater yeah and i think that's important and i since that traumatic incident i like subconsciously stopped watching films like that just because i my psyche like i couldn't handle that Mm -hmm. and so like i for example i've been wanting to watch chernobyl and like i knew that that was just too much for me and i couldn't watch it and so i've just been watching a lot of comedies and like totally fine totally good or like rewatching stuff but watching short term 12 was like the first time that i like by myself was just like i'm just gonna sit down and watch this movie i want to watch and i like really enjoyed the whole thing even though it was like upsetting and like yeah you know like a difficult subject matter and i just felt like it made me feel like the world was like i was returning to normal which was a really good feeling good yes on i love that yeah i'm happy for you thank you i feel like i had a huge revelation about what makes a good movie i also just graduated from (laughs) yeah we have a a film program master of fine ass Mm -hmm. in front of us yeah that was a kate joke she said it to me earlier thank you for the credit um True. Well, okay. So I watched this movie that this person in my program made. I will not be specific about it, but it was, there was no levity in it whatsoever. It was just like, what is the most traumatic thing I could ever make a movie about? Yes. And there's actually not going to be a narrative about it. It's just like, here's this horrible thing. And it's like, okay, I like really depressing movies. I feel like we know that. I'm here with it. Okay. But the reason why, and then I was like, why is that movie? I was not the movies I like, but I'm like, why was that student film so bad? Like, because you can make movies about really sad things, but they can be good. Totally. But this was because what a movie is, I think, is the building of conflict and catharsis. Right. It's like, that's what, Mm -hmm. that's what a narrative structure is. It's like building tension, climax, catharsis. And so even if it's not good catharsis, there's at least like a discernible beginning and end. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we, it's very therapeutic to humans to have that. And that's Mm -hmm. why we like movies is because it's like, we can view a moment of reality with like a finite, like in a bubble. Yeah. And so I realized like, that's what, like all a good movie really is. And why, when movies are bad, why we don't like them is because maybe this is not true, but this is what I think. I think it's because the storytelling is not, there's, it it doesn't have clear storytelling Mm -hmm. in the sense that it doesn't have a clear rising and it doesn't have a good catharsis. Questions. I think absolutely, but also I think there's something to be said about I like it when there is an, I don't want to say unclear rising, but when you don't realize that it's happening until you're there. Yeah, yeah. But it's like then you can, but you still can. You can see that it. there was a, yeah. and even like a twist ending, like it's a trajectory. Like, I'm still down with that, but it just like maybe this is because I have a lot of intense feelings about film school, but I'm like a movie has to have a beginning, middle, and end. If it yes. does not have a beginning, middle, and end, it is not a cathartic experience and it will not be a good movie. Anyways, this girl's movie, I like kind of want to show it to you because it's literally like, what do you want from me? <laughs> like, I am with you. This sucks. Yeah. Anyways, speaking Wait, that of- made me think of, we never talked about uh, Promising Young Woman. 
kind of what I'm saying though, right? That, yeah. There's no catharsis in it. And but like, I, think, like, I think it thinks that there's catharsis. But it's not. It's such a bad movie, dude. It's literally like, okay, let me tell a feminist, like, let me like tell you I'm delivering you a feminist movie and then have it actually be like only about perpetuating violence to women the entire time and giving you no relief from that. And not even in a way that's like, let's learn from that. It's just like, now there's another woman that is dead. Is that what it was supposed to be saying? I didn't even I think get it that was. much. Because like, well, it was interesting. So I was driving, driving around Hollywood. No, I was in Hollywood for something and I was driving home and I passed like this. I, I mentioned Hollywood because I feel like when you're in Hollywood, like they really like, there's so many like, what is it? Billboards. For your choice, for your consideration, billboards and shit. Yeah. And since everything's like a relic of 2020 at this point, there's a lot of them left over from last year. And so there was like a promising yeah. young woman one. And at the bottom of it, it said something like a movie that started a dialogue or something like yeah. that. And I was like, what are we talking about? How bad this movie is? What's the dialogue? You know, what's so funny. Like five people have sent that to me because I have such strong feelings about the movie. I almost took a picture, but I was like, <laughs> I didn't want to take out my phone. I don't know what the conversation is. And I, well, is it about sexual assault? Is it about violence in women? Like, I think the the fact that it there's, oh, sorry. Spoilers, I guess. Um, I <laughs> shit. Sorry. I don't feel bad. I like will spoil this movie. <laughs> um, But I feel like it's like, I don't, there were so many things wrong with the movie. Yeah. And I feel like my issue is that it felt like it was hiding behind the idea that it was like this feminine, feminist dialogue and like that it felt like it was like bulletproof or like immune from criticism. Yeah. And that it resulted in this like really lazy movie that like the main character, I mean, I was texting you while I was watching it and I was like, I don't understand this character and its motivations. Like it literally just exists to serve the story. It has no, it's the most flat character I think I've ever seen. Oh yeah. And it's especially frustrating because Carrie Mulligan is such an amazing actor. What a waste, right? Like I don't understand how she signed on to this and was like, yes, this is me. It makes me not trust her like a little bit. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. And I was going to go off on it and I, I just, I literally just like, am so, so baffled by this movie. It feels like I'm living in an alternate reality. No, totally. Cause well, when I watched it, we were like screaming, like we were like, what the fuck is this movie? Why is this happening? Like it, none of it makes sense. Yeah. Well, and I, I, again, I was texting you about this and I was like, it seems like the director was really bad because like everything (laughs) is so overacted and like, it's just like, what is happening here? Did nobody see what was happening? Well, and some people say that's like a artistic choice, choice, but I do not think so. I think it could be a choice if like everything else was cohesive, but I feel like if you have like, it was a mess. If you have like three strong film elements that just like are not happening it was a mess like then it's very hard to convince me that like these choices were like the 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 film score felt like it was lifted from another film (laughs) from like another from somebody else's premiere pro sequence and they just like put it in this sequence but they didn't even try to match it up so that like 
it was hitting like cues or anything. Like it just felt like randomly there would be music. (laughs) And I was like, where is this coming from? And what is this about? And also like the set design was like so confusing. Like sometimes it looked like, like just kind of bad, like tasteless filmmaking. And then other times it looks like they were trying to be like really specific and hip, but it was like, I don't understand because you just showed me this other thing that was like extremely bland. It was just so weird. Yeah. It was such a bad movie. I'm sorry. If you liked it, uh sorry what's so funny is when you were texting me about it i had just seen one of the best movies i had ever seen in my entire life was and it the I'm, documentary you told me about yeah i'm obsessed yeah. it's called state funeral literally a hundred out of ten wow go see it it's so good yeah i wrote it down um, maybe i didn't write it down i need to write it down i almost sent you a uh instagram about it today because they posted about it um you and alex should watch it. i feel like alex would enjoy it funeral it's very intense um oh the thing i was gonna say about promising young woman is the last last thing i'll say after she won best screenplay and i was literally like i don't think the oscars means anything anymore like it's obviously just like a weird like uh outlet for Hollywood to work through their issues I think I agree but when she won best screenplay I was like listen what even is this anymore what else was nominated I'm gonna look that up Nomadland Oscar I mean (laughs) that just is like well I'm curious if maybe they didn't nominate so and you know more about uh Chloe Zhao's process than I do. It's Zhao, right? Yeah. Okay, I want to make sure. Oh, no, it was, a, no, it was an adapted screenplay. So that wasn't in the same category. Okay, because I was going to say, just because, like, I know that her screenplays are, like, relatively loose or something. Yeah. And what else is so, nominated? That's what I'm looking. Literally, there's nothing else in the category. It's <laughs> <laughs> <Just> like, yeah. <laughs> um, the screenplay. Well, okay. So I asked my Minari. Are you fucking kidding me? Oh my gosh. Don't even get me started. I, Minari is so good. The fact that I am upset. That is so, that is like, that's, that's uh, like a disgrace. I'm upset. <laughs> You're like sweating. <laughs> I'm so upset. I literally like forgot what I was doing. My mind was wiped <laughs> blank. What? <sighs> no. Yeah. No. And Sound of Metal. Did she you know, won. I didn't see it, but I like. I heard it's really good. It's so nuanced. It's so good. But even like Aaron Sorkin, I didn't even see the trial. The Chicago Seven. I haven't but seen there's it either. no way that this woman is winning over Aaron Sorkin, who's like one of the best screenwriters of all time. But that's maybe why she had to win is because she. <sighs> I don't know. So Minari's so good. Sorry, keep going. No, it's so good. Please see it. It's uh, no, I've seen it. No, no, oh. I'm saying to our audience. <laughs> I was like, how do you think that I'm saying it's that it's so good? good. Um, I went into my screenwriting class the next day, and I'm very close with my professor. And I thought we were on the same page about everything. And I was like, hey, I just have a question. Do you understand even a slight bit why Promise a Young Woman could even be nominated for an Oscar, let alone win? And he said, oh. I thought it was a really, really good movie because, and I was like, Alex really liked it. He did. Yeah. I was like, why? And I was like, I'm not trying to be like 
pretentious about it. I'm just like, I do not know why. Yeah. If you liked it, actually, please write us in at our Instagram. Shut up. Keep going. All one word. We won't combat. We won't like we won't yell at you. you. I'm, yeah. I'm just I'm like just genuinely curious. Yeah. Um, and he said, this is his answer to me. And then I like couldn't compute. So I didn't ask further. He said it was very reminiscent of seven years ago. Is that like when Brock Turner was a thing? That couldn't have been seven years. Maybe that was seven years ago. I think it was. That was seven years ago. Stop it. No way. I kind of think it was. That was but not then also seven I'm like, years I don't ago. know if that, I guess like in theory, like in loose theory, I understand why that's 2016. Similar. Okay. So that's six years ago. What a piece of shit. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Seriously. Okay. Maybe he said less than that. I think it, I think it. <laughs> I just stopped myself from saying something. Okay. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. anyways, <laughs> the doomsday clock. Oh shit. Okay. We're almost, we're almost through it. We're, we're talking about the bulletin of atomic science. This part is yeah. interesting. I have to say most of the, most of the people who are part of the Manhattan project, which created the first atomic bomb and it was a secret didn't know what they were building. Most of the people. Okay. But the scientists did. So like the technicians and stuff, they didn't know what they were building. Uh, okay. But the scientists did. And a lot of them had misgivings about it from the start, but some of them didn't. And it's very, this is why they created this clock. What do you mean by misgivings? Like they weren't feeling they were good like, about it? Oh shit. Like, oh, okay. should we do this? Oh my gosh. I feel like. Yeah. If I was building something that could kill like so many people, I would probably be like, I. So here's how it started. How much did they get paid? What was their salary? I don't know. Well, here's someone that you know Albert Einstein. I know him. And Leo my uncle. Sizzlard. I don't know if I'm saying his name. I'm Leo kidding. Sizzlard. He's not my uncle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just felt like I needed to. <laughs> You didn't react to my joke at all, and so I just felt like I needed to clarify to everybody he's not, I'm not related. <laughs> Everyone was wondering. The people were on their toes. Okay, so these Albert Einstein and Leo Sislard, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, mm. so I apologize, um, were the two, were two physicists that wrote to President Franklin Roosevelt in 1939, warning him of the potential of an atomic bomb because they had suspicions that Germany might be able to make one. So they were like, ah... Ah, let's make it first. So, yeah. So it was like, let's make it first because our enemy could build one. So therefore we should build one. That was like the thinking. I mean, I guess honestly, okay. So that, oh no, this is how it happened. That to me makes sense because it's like, well, if we have one and our enemy has one, then maybe it neutralizes. Cause it's like, well, I don't do was, this because then we'll do it back. And like, you know how the, bad it is. That was in the entire cold war. And then we realized we're like, what are we doing? I don't Let's know if we realized that, actually. Um, it's so complex. It's like such a... There's no answer to it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Is it called the Cold War because Russia's really fucking cold? <laughs> no, but I love that for them. <laughs> no, it's cold because it was like... Um, it was like passive aggressiveness. <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah. Oh, I like my thing. Because it wasn't like it wasn't like explicit war between yeah. Russia and the I US. mean I know that's one of the history things I do know. Okay. I do know that about the Cold War, but I wasn't sure the nomenclature. Um yeah. 
Okay, where was I? Okay, so six years later, in 1939, Sislard, along with Nobel laureate James Franck and other fe fellow Manhattan Project scientists, signed a cautionary document known as the Franked Report, which they sent to the U.S. Secretary of War. They argued that the United States should announce a public demonstration of the weapon in an uninhabited area and then use the threat of it to press Japan to surrender. So instead of dropping it on Japan, they'd be like, listen, we have this thing. It's fucking scary. We're going to give you a little show and show you how scary it is. And if you don't surrender, you know. Don't force our hand. I'm putting my hand up and being like, raising my eyebrow. Mm -hmm. um, but that didn't, uh, was that, not successful. Was, <laughs> oh, it wasn't. We did do that. No, it was not successful. That document, the Frank report, was not successful. Oh, got it, got it. Um, so then they circulated a second petition against the use of the weapons um, signed by 70 fellow Manhattan Project employees, the people that made it. Neither succeeded, obviously, sadly. Um, and in August 1945, the U.S. dropped atomic bombs on the cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Not, not great. Um, so when Sislard learned that the bomb had been dropped on Hiroshima, he called it, quote, one of the greatest blunders in history. In a yeah, note no to Gertrude Weiss, who is a professor of medicine, who he later married. Romance. <laughs> um, that's not... What is that called? Trauma bonding? Yeah. So Sislard and many other Manhattan Project scientists immediately met to discuss how to inform the public about the science and implications for humanity. So they were like, ah, like we got to get ahead of this, which I think is like good for them. Yeah. <laughs> In some way. Um, so by September of 1945, which is a month later, they had formed the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists of Chicago, later shortened to the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists, and it was like an organization. Um, with the shared mission to, quote, equip the public pub policymakers and scientists with the information needed to reduce man-made threats to our existence. Great. Okay. So this is, this is why I, like, find it, like, so fascinating because from this quote, a scientist, John A. Simpson, who worked on the Manhattan Project, he said, for the first time in modern history, scientists were saying it was necessary to make judgments about what to do with their inventions. What was the first part of the quote? I zoned out. <laughs> it's okay. I honestly, I was reading it and I was like, I'm Sydney is zoned out. I just felt it. Um, it says, for the first time in modern history, scientists were saying it was necessary to make judgments about what to do with their inventions. Okay. Which, you know what it makes me think of? Jurassic Park. Yeah, that is Jurassic Park, isn't it? Because Jeff Goldblum's character is one of my favorite lines ever. It's what it's something like... I've seen Jurassic Park one time, so don't why? look at me like I know. It is so good. I never saw it as a kid, and so I only saw it as an adult, and I saw it when I started dating Alex. Um, I was obsessed with Jurassic Park, and I was also really scared. Wait. It was just one of those movies, while you look it up, I feel like my family, like... I didn't see a lot of those like classic, like classics growing up. Like I saw, I only saw Die Hard as an adult. I've never seen Die and Hard. Back to the Future. Die Hard's so fucking good, dude. It's such a good movie. It's really good. 
like that like back to the future movies. so i don't really either and i think it's because i didn't really grow up on them but alex has turned a new leaf he's shown me the good ones okay. i didn't see terminator growing up i've never seen terminator. i didn't see um can't even name them. i haven't seen a lot of movies okay this is the quote so the jurassic park guy ian john hammond says john ham john ham says our scientists have done things which nobody's ever done before and jeff goldblum's character says yeah but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could that they didn't stop to think if they should i've definitely love that love it and one time i was trying to be really philosophical with someone and i said that line and they were like that's from jurassic park (laughs) were you like i was like no it's not it's from the bible (laughs) um anyways so that's i mean i feel like that that's the same sentiment as the doomsday clock so for 75 years um the bulletin continued as an independent nonprofit organization um and it gathers a diverse array of the most informed and influential voices tracking man-made threats to inform the public so wait they, so is them using covid as a reason to say we're 100 seconds to midnight implying that covid is man-made it's not that it covid's man-made it's that it shows that our governments are not able to ha- handle a worldwide crisis copy so it's like you guys fucked that up so bad. Like what's going to happen when the earth is literally burning. So that's why I got closer to midnight. So, um, Martel Langsforth, an artist who primarily painted landscapes. She produced an illustration that became the doomsday clock. And she designed a minimalist, but memorable clock. It's hands set seven minutes to midnight in part because it, quote, look good to her eye. But ever since then, the bulletin has used this clock to depict the existential threats facing humanity. And it's... So this one? Yeah. Sorry, I wanted to gorgeous, see a visual right? while you were talking to me. It's a good illustration. Mm-hmm. Um, it's located at the bulletin's office, and it's um, set... So up until... How it's set is up until his death in 1973, bulletin editor editor Eugene Rabinowich, I butchered that, decided whether the clock hand should be moved. So the editor decided that. Um, And he was a leader in the national disarmament movement and talked with policy experts and scientists around the world. And so he was very informed and was the one to set the clock. Today, the Bulletin Science and Security Board sets the clock, which is a group of 18 experts um, with a very diverse background from like diplomacy to military history to nuclear science. And they meet twice a year to discuss what the fuck's going on. What do you think they eat when they meet? Like salad. <laughs> do you think it's like a light meal or like a big, like hoorah? Who says they're eating? I don't know. I think it's over. Like, I think it's over a meal. I feel like a salad with a light vinaigrette. And goat cheese. Mm hmm. Water in glasses, not in bottles, because plastic. Mm-hmm. And there's lemon slices. Yeah. Yeah. No napkins. No, no, no. No paper napkins, but cloth oh, napkins. Oh, of course cloth napkins. And, yeah. That sounds like a nice meal. Kind of refreshing. 
to discuss uh, humanity's descent into chaos. <laughs> this is what their three major threats to civilization are. Climate change, nuclear proliferation, and, quote, disruptive technologies, including bio and cybersecurity, which each have the potential to destroy civilization and render the earth largely uninhabitable by human beings. I don't understand what that means about cybersecurity, but I didn't look it up. Uh. So what happens when the clock hits midnight? What happens? Large-scale consequences for humanity and the planet. Oh. <laughs> Do you think there's like a bomb? Do you think they put a nuclear bomb in the clock? Yeah. And so like when they they're like, midnight, Hi. it's like Dr. Strange. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the board, okay, we're kind of done here, but some, <laughs> one of the board members calls the clock, the canary in the coal mine, which prompts miners to take quick action to save their lives. Do we all know that phrase? I do. Okay. Don't get crushed, bitch. Um, so they're basically like, listen, we kind of can foresee some of the threats happening. So instead of just like being like, hey, this is a threat, being like, can we address ways to like address it? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so they're very worried about climate change now. And so that's Rightfully why the clock so. is very close to midnight. And that is the doomsday clock, Sydney. I feel stressed. It's okay. I think we'll get it lowered. Good. Me too. Just go buy a Tesla. Did you watch Elon Musk on SNL? No, but I watched one of the um one of the skits. It was good. Was it the Mario one? Oh, I guess I watched two. I watched the Mario one and then Gen Z Hospital. You like Gen Z Hospital? I like it for what it is. I don't like it as an SNL skit, if that makes sense. I thought it was extremely deranged. That's why I like think it's very unhinged, which is why I think it's funny. Oh, but you're like liking it ironically. That, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I like it like as something that exists, but I it makes me upset that it's like that this is like what SNL is putting out. Well, yeah, I have very strong feelings about SNL these days. When and are they? That it's horrible. Um, it makes me sad because I feel like Kyle is so talented. I know. And I feel like it's like, like, well, cause what I think they want to be really smart and like topical, but they don't want to be silly anymore. Yes. Which like really ruins the fun of it. I, that's so such like, a good synopsis of the scenario. Yeah. Like Gen Z hospital was like, we're so in with Gen Z, but they're like, not like doing it all the way. So it's like not funny, but then that that's kind of what makes it like so cringy and like being like, this is so demented. The Mario, the Mario court one, I literally was like, I am in a different universe right now. Like, I cannot believe this exists. Like having this, like, like one of the most wealthy men in the world, like be in a Mario costume and pretend to have an Italian accent. And he like, obviously has no acting chops. I was like, what, what has happened? The doomsday clock clicks, takes closer to midnight. Ah, okay. Uh, That's all I have to say. Okay. So today my topic is actually an update from a previous episode. However, I will give enough context that if you haven't for some reason, listen to that episode. One, what is wrong with you? And two, 
listen after, but also you can still listen on. Uh, so it was episode like 21 or 20. I guess it depends on how you count. Honestly, from our perspective, it's very confusing because we have that bonus episode from February 14th. That's really fucked us over. It's like really has. And like, I don't know how to number anything. Every time I edit, I feel like it's like I name it like episode 28. And then the next week it's like episode 28 for real. Because I, <laughs> I just like never know what episode we're on. Should we revoke Max medical license just because of that? <laughs> I mean, he really fucked us over on that. <laughs> uh, but so it's episode 21 or 20. So if you look it up, it's Terare and Love Has Won, A Very Hungry Man and a Cultist Misnomer. That was a good episode. It's a really good episode. So highly recommend you listen. But basically, I got an update for everyone. So if you don't remember, Love Has Won is this wild and harmful cult that uh, was led by this lady named Amy Carlson, who was like in her 40s. And she was just like a random ass lady from Texas. And basically she was like, I was Jesus in a previous life. And she claims that she like, w- like speaks with Robin Williams. Yeah. And like. Still don't understand. Yeah. Else, and yeah. that like, she's just like keeps being reincarnated and has been all of these things. And she calls herself mother God. Okay. And basically they, the cult themselves puts them like puts up these YouTube videos and tries to recruit members. And then like some of like the main members, they all live in this house and like. They're not supposed to drink or do drugs and they all just like worship this lady. Mm-hmm. And then I guess whoever she's dating is Father God. I don't, it was unclear at the time. Listen to the episode and I talk about it more, but that's the situation. Well, just a few weeks ago, aka May 2021, a body was found at a house in a <gasps> remote cul de sac near Mofat, a small mountain town in Colorado. No. So, Corporal, um, Stephen Hansen got a search warrant for the house and found in one of the bedrooms a shrine had been made for what Mr. Hansen described as the mummified remains of what appears to be a woman. What appears to be. I hate that. You know, it was like so fucked up. Well, and like, what the heck does it smell like? Whenever I hear things about like, like, what does it smell like? Probably the worst thing you could ever possibly smell. Oh, man. Okay. So placed on the bed was a woman's body, cocooned in a sleeping bag adorned with Christmas lights with glitter makeup on her eyes. Yikes. Um, the body is believed to be none other than Amy Carlson, a 45-year-old spiritual leader of love has won. And the body was so badly decomposed that he could not recover fingerprints and the coroner had to confirm it via dental records. Jesus. So he believes the body has been dead since March. (gasps) Since March. Uh, There's no evidence of foul play, uh, but seven suspected members of the cult were arrested at the house and charged with abusing a corpse. Did you know that that's something you could get charged with? I guess it's like kind of common decency, right? It's like against common decency. Yeah, I guess. Just like. What's well, like, don't do that, freak. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so there. I think. Okay, don't quote me on this. But if I remember correctly from when I did that episode originally, like people said that she had cancer or maybe she said she had cancer or something because like they tried to go to Hawaii and got kicked out for like basically disturbing the peace. Um, I don't think you said that. Did you? Did I not say that? Is that why they went to Hawaii? 
I don't know if that's actually why they went to Hawaii, but I know that that was like a quote or something because there was all this like commotion of Hawaiian residents trying to be like, get like GTFO. I remember that. I didn't remember it was because she had cancer. Well, no, I thought I remember one of the, one of like the cult members, again, please don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure one of the cult, the cult members was like trying to gain sympathy by being like, she like has cancer or whatever. So who even knows if that's true, but she's dead now. She's kicked the bucket. She's closed the final curtain. Oh, I like that one. I was going to use it next. Uh, She has done the the last tango. She's done. She's she bites the dust. She kicked the bucket. You already said that. She closed the lid. The fat lady has sang. The lights are off. Nobody's home. shit um okay so uh no there's no evidence of foul play mr hansen is quoted as saying quote i've never seen a group of people be so nonchalant about a dead person i don't know why that makes me laugh (laughs) i hope no one ever says that about me i also hope i'm never like around a dead person i'm like, like so disturbed by dead bodies like, sometimes I imagine, like, I'm like, what if I walked into a room and there was a dead body? Like, how would Why I Why do you think about that? Well, because one time I was watching... That happened? A- no. Oh. It doesn't matter. I was watching a movie and I looked over my friend and he was, like, sitting close on the floor. And I was like, what if Riley was dead? Like, what if, like, that's why he's on the floor? And, like, I just walked into the room and there he was dead. Would that be weird? Because technically he's dead. But then I would feel so freaked out about a dead body. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, yeah. Don't love it. Not my favorite. Um, so Amy Carlson's family were, quote, almost certain about the identity of the body and weren't surprised. They said, quote, we know she's not completely innocent in this whole situation because she chose to join this cult. Uh, her younger sister, Chelsea, told the BBC. Wait, I thought she started the cult. Okay, so that is so interesting. I will get to that in a second. Okay. Like so quickly. This is really short. Okay. Um, but so I got all this information off of BBC and it actually was really interesting because I found it kind of hard to get. I just saw it in passing that she had passed away and I was like, oh, I wanted to see like what's the deal. And I had to like so specifically like type in like love has one like Amy Carlson death to mm-hmm. find it versus like first I just tried typing in love has one to see like what came up and like this wasn't one of the top hits but B- according to BBC well here wait that the rest of the quote is but at the same time she doesn't deserve what happened to her in the end no human being deserves that so according to the BBC love has one emerged in the late 2000s and a follower actually encouraged Amy Carlson to join and then she worked her way to the head of it so who started it? I don't know. But isn't oh. that interesting? Because what yeah. I was, because all the information that I read before and granted BBC could have their facts wrong, but also like, I believe the BBC, um, was that she started it. I mean, Hitler didn't start the Nazi party. So this is true. Um, but so that's, that's it. It was really short today. Wow. That's all they know. They don't know anything else. Like how she died. She had cancer. They they don't know anything else. And or at least they haven't released it. That's so but like crazy. I said, it's like really weird that it like there didn't seem to be very much publicity around it. But I guess it's just like a random cult. And then I tried to find their YouTube vid- channel to like see if they were still making videos. Because if you remember, so the people who were making the YouTube videos were the people who were all living in the house with her. Mm-hmm. And my thought was like, okay, if they arrested these seven people, I'm assuming they were the seven people who were living in the house with her. 
and if they're all arrested, like who's maintaining the YouTube channel? Yeah. And I couldn't find it anywhere. Ew. That's so creepy. I couldn't even find their website. Didn't they like do drugs? Well, they kept saying that. So there was a Vice documentary where they like interviewed people that had previously been in the cult and they were saying that like they're not supposed to, but it's like very obviously like the like higher up people were like hard drugs. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that's what it was. And wasn't she like an intense drinker? Yeah. Speedball. <laughs> what speedball? I just know a lot of people have died from it. I think it's like um crack and some it's like a combination of drugs that a lot of people have died from. Speedballing is according to training.fadaa mixing stimulants and opioids. <laughs> I think it's like oxycotton with like speed. What's speed? amphetamine what is that like adderall <laughs> oh is that what that is yeah technically adderall is amphetamine that's like what it is oh i like don't In know life. anything about like oh yeah how do you know so much about this kate i'm literally looking at a powerpoint <laughs> oh I, I just remember there was this summer where i was like literally everyone has died from speedball and then who chris farley who has died from speed? This is going to fuck up my Google search. Speedball. Yeah, because this thing, it says, it's like, stimulants that can be mixed with an opioid to create a speedball include, and has like a list of them. That's crazy, dude. Drugs are like no joke. I know. Okay, I have a whole list. We could, there's a whole Wikipedia article de- dedicated to it. I'm oh, telling so you. so sad. Um, okay, so it says... Basquiat, mm-hmm. except it says though other sources list his death as heroin overdose only. I will also say this is from uh, Wikipedia, so who knows how real this is? Okay, John Belushi, John Belushi, Ken Caminiti. Mm-hmm. Do you know who he is? It says he is an American third baseman. Oh, that's so sad. Uh, Chris Farley, mm-hmm. Pete Fardon, Farndon. Sorry, he was an English bassist. And founding member of the Pretenders. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Zach Foley, which is a another rocker. Tra- Trevor Goddard. He's best best known for playing Kano in Mortal Kombat, not the new one. Uh, Mitch Hedberg, stand up comedian. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Sad. So sad. That was so devastating. So I didn't be- realize it was Speedball. I didn't either. Mm. Sebastian Horsley, so an artist and writer. Uh, Chris Kelly, who is aka Chris Cross. Um, Brent, this is so depressing. It's all men. Oh, that's interesting. Brent Mydland, who was a member of the Grateful Dead. River Phoenix. I didn't realize that's how mm-hmm. that, that was it uh judy sill oh so there's one there's one um lane staley who oh wow allison chains um joey stefano who is a porn actor 
other notable users. How do they have this information? <laughs> Ryan Adams? Yeah. You know who that is? Mm-hmm. Am I stupid? Why well, don't I know who He's this a musician. is? Yeah, he is. But like you listen to the I don't, Whiskey Town? Just because I know he's a musician doesn't mean I listen oh. to him. <laughs> <laughs> Steven Adler? Mm-mm. He's the uh, drummer and co-songwriter of Guns N' Roses. Okay. He had he had a stroke. Mm. Jack Bruce? Cream? I don't like the word cream. <laughs> I don't either. It makes me think of vaginal discharge. Oh my god. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I said I don't like thinking of it. I know. Uh, Kurt Cobain. <laughs> Miles yeah. Davis. Miles Davis. Oh, no. I wouldn't have thought. Um, Craig Ferguson. Whoa, like the comedian? Yeah. Okay. Uh, again, how did they get this information? Dave Gahan? Gahan? Well, people really like talk about it in like memoirs if they've like survived it. Mode. Uh, yeah, he had a heart attack after an overdose, but survived. Anthony Kiedis. <laughs> Sounds like graduation. Huh? <laughs> he was saying all these names. <laughs> oh, um, I think I didn't know that about it. That's how you say Kiedis, right? I don't know. He's the red hot chili peppers. You know, Ryan Adams, but not the red <laughs> hot chili peppers guy. No, I know Flea. Is that Whiskey Town? I don't understand. <laughs> no, isn't Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was one of the bands that Ryan Adams was in. I was like, it says Whiskey Town. Why do you? Why are you obsessed with me being obsessed with Ryan Adams? <laughs> I don't know. His Wikipedia picture is just really funny. Uh, Harry Kendall Thaw. No, he was the son of coal and railroad baron. William Thaw, Sr. of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, United States. <laughs> sure. Why is it listed that way? <laughs> Wikipedia is so weird. There was this guy that asked me to prom in high school. I couldn't go because my mom thought it was an older kid trying to take advantage of me. He was a grade <laughs> older than me, and I was a sophomore. He was in my English class. He asked, anyways, he asked me to prom, and <laughs> I don't know what it have to do with Wikipedia. Oh, because one of his hobbies was he would purposely go into Wikipedia articles and just like make shit up. Oh, don't you have to have like corroboration? I don't know. He said he got banned from it. Oh, we're good. Fuck that guy. Sorry. <laughs> this guy's name is Drew. Anyways, he asked me, he was the TA in my theology class, and he asked me to prom on a napkin because I told him once, and it was like about with a poem about broccoli because I told him once that I thought it was really romantic when people wrote on napkins because it felt like you just had this idea that like you had to get out of your head onto paper so that it didn't fly away wow that's beautiful and I thought it was like really sweet that he like did that and but I like didn't have feelings for him but I remember he asked me and then I was like mom can I go to prom and she was like no he's gonna take advantage of you and I was like she's probably not wrong also can I call you out on something right do we have TAs in high school yeah no Maybe he just sat in our class then. <laughs> I don't think we had TAs. Really? Yeah, I never remember a TA. He definitely wasn't supposed to be in my class, but like sat in Did and you like have Mr. he helped Larson? with like. No, <laughs> unfortunately not. I did not. But I did share a beta fish with him. What does that mean? That he had a beta fish that he didn't want to take care of and I would take care of it because I like animals. <laughs> so he gave you a fish? Do you like bring it to school? No. So it was a whole thing. No, he had a fish in his 
in his like office not office his like teaching room what's it called classroom. his classroom thanks um in his classroom and like he he i can't remember what group of athletes it was but one of the guys teams maybe it was guys men's volleyball was like always had lunch in there or something and so i always had lunch in there because i hung out with a bunch of them and we were gonna try and mate his his beta fish with a with a female beta fish but it was like really hard to find female beta fish and like you have to introduce them in like a very specific way so we we're gonna do that but then over christmas break one of the maintenance people like threw it, his fish away what i don't know it was really confusing but i was like in charge of like making for sure his fish didn't die but it got thrown away. But it got thrown away while we were on break. Why would you just throw a fish away? That makes no sense. I don't know. Does anyone eat betta fish? I think there there's not enough meat. Is it like a delicacy? Oh my gosh, this makes me really sad. I know, I don't love it. But people eat fish. I eat fish. Um, Drew, he exists. I don't believe he exists. Okay, that's it. Uh, Go follow us on Instagram. Shut up, keep going, all one word.